Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We are really glad that you decided to listen to this episode as you are searching for student ministry podcast stuff. So thanks a lot for that. Uh, We would love to hear what you think so that one, we can get better. We do this for you, the student ministry leader. So let us know through rating and review what you think of the podcast. As you do that, it also helps other people find the podcast when they get on there and search student ministry out into podcast world. So thank you in advance for doing those ta- those things. It takes like 30 seconds, so we would we would love it. All right. I am Ben Trueblood, hosting today, as usual, alongside the one and only producer, Nathan. What's up? How's it going? It's good, man. We are uh, we're inching closer and closer to your refereeing debut for the season. You've got cross coming up starting yes. when? Uh, middle of January when when college starts and then high school will start middle to late February. So Okay. Well, we're getting closer. As you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, Nathan uh, is a referee of many things, a, an official, <laughs> an official official. So we'll check in as that starts off and, uh, and, and see how that's going with producer Nathan joining us on what I think is going to be a really special and helpful episode today as we talk about innovation in student ministry and kind of building an innovation process that can kind of get you in that headspace. Uh, we have the director of Switch Content, James Meehan. So James is a part of Life Church, and as I said, director of Switch Content. Switch is their student ministry that covers grades 6 through 12. All right, his responsibilities there include creating sermons, devotional plans, and leader resources for all of the student ministry of Life Church locations, uh, really all across the United States. So, uh, super excited to have James here. With four years of experience as a Switch pastor before doing this role, he's passionate about creating content that challenges and inspires students to become more like Jesus for the sake of others. Before stepping onto the full time Life Church team, he volunteered as a middle school boys small group leader, which is by far, just side note, the best to do. Like if you're going to start somewhere, the middle school boys small group is the place to be. All right. He also served as a switch intern in his spare time. He loves reading books, playing video games. We'll come back to that in just a second. If you've listened to the podcast, you know, we're going to stop there. And Another amazing thing, hosting Dungeons and Dragons sessions for his small group. James has been married to his wife, Mandy, for more than five years, and they just celebrated their son's first birthday. That's awesome, man. Congratulations on one year. Thank you. Everything is like sleep. Are we sleeping at this point? I know it's, it's 12 months into it, so hopefully so. Yeah, thank goodness he's sleeping. You know, it was interesting because the last couple of weeks I was sick and then my wife was sick. That's why I sound super nasally right now. But my son was not sick. Um, and he had all the energy on the planet. And so trying to rest while also wrangle a one-year-old, um, that was a, a beautiful way to start off this new year. <laughs> I bet it was. Well, James, we're super excited that you uh, are making time to be a part of this episode today. So thank you for doing that. Thanks in advance for speaking into student pastors all over the place as we talk about as we talk about this. But uh, without further ado, I think we do want to hear a little bit about your the, the favorite video games what mm. are you what do you most often go to when you start playing so back in my day when i was yeah. a wee little middle schooler and high schooler my game of choice was anything call of duty or halo but since you know having a full-time career 
getting married and having a child, I no longer have the time needed to still be good at those games. And so now the majority of the time I'm playing single player, story driven action RPGs. My favorite series of all time is anything, the soul series. So dark souls, demon souls, bloodborne, and soon to be Elden ring coming out very shortly. Cannot wait for that. Um, and so all things RPG, single player story, that's my jam. Okay. So you, you're not afraid of a little punishment, uh, a little (laughs) difficulty level with those games. Oh no, I'm all about it, man. (laughs) Nathan, have you ever played any of those? I have not. I think a few, no, I don't think I have. If if I have, it's been like a 15 minute trial. So I don't think that counts at all. (laughs) (laughs) It is, uh, yeah. Known for their difficulty for sure. But man, that's awesome. Um, so tell me about, and I'm sure we'll get into this because it does take, uh, it to do what you do in terms of dungeons and dragons and leading a group. It does take a lot of creativity and, and a mind space to do that. Um, you, but you mentioned though, that that's something you do with your small group. Talk about how that started and how that, uh, I'm sure becomes like a connection point, relationship building point. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, the thing is I have always been a huge nerd. So anything video games, like the Lord of the Rings trilogy is I think the greatest movie trilogy of all time. And then as a kid, I would hear stories of my dad and his Dungeons and Dragons group whenever he was really young. And I always thought, you know, that sounds really fun, but it was always a little bit too weird for me to be willing to try. (laughs) And then it was shortly after I got into ministry that uh, one of my mentors, who was a youth pastor at another one of our Life Church locations, was actually hosting a Dungeons and Dragons session with some of the people who served in that student ministry. And he invited me to come to it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my chance. Like I can finally kind of dip my toe in And after that first experience, I was like, wow, I love this. It's literally collaborative storytelling with a group of people where we are forced to do improv and come up with innovative solutions to different problems. And I had so much fun that I thought, you know what, let me start my own group. And so I've got this small group that I've been meeting with for three years now. We meet every other week for three hours and we come together and just have a blast. And it's been a really cool way for us to have an imaginative and creative sort of release that is really fun, relaxing, enjoyable. But like I said, it stretches some of those imaginative muscles that don't get to be stretched in that form very often. So that was going to be my question is, you know, there are going to be some people that are listening to this and are going to be like, well, I'm not going to go join a Dungeons and Dragons group. (laughs) But the principle, the principle though is, is that in order to innovate it is a muscle that has to be worked on absolutely that whether it's finding that or something else you do have to engage in the process for you to become better at that absolutely what would you start off and let's just give broad definition um, sure what does innovation in student ministry look like? It probably take on a, a million different forms. What comes to your mind when you think about innovation in student ministry? Yeah. I mean, the thing that comes to my mind is something we say often in the context of Life Church, which is that innovation is born out of constraints. And so, you know, when I first stepped into the world of ministry and I was thinking about all things creativity and being innovative, I always had that mindset of, I've got to think outside the box. Now, one of the things that gets drilled into your brain when you come on staff at Life Church is that the box is actually your friend. 
that reality mm-hmm. is your friend because none of us that are in ministry have an infinite budget of time or resources or volunteers. And so when we throw out the constraints, we might come up with a solution that is very creative and innovative, but it also might be impossible. <laughs> and so <laughs> oftentimes what we want to do is actually start with what is the box? What is reality? And then from there, figure out how can we rearrange what's inside this box to help us accomplish the mission that we are here to accomplish. Now at Life Church, mm. it's to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And so when I think super big picture, high level about innovation in student ministry, the question that I'm always asking is, are our current methods actually accomplishing our mission? Are our core methods actually accomplishing our mission? If the answer is yes, fantastic. Then innovation looks like improving upon what's already working. But then sometimes the answer ends up actually being, you know, not really. And that's when innovation looks like potentially making a much bigger shift to change things at a deeper level in the way that our ministry operates. So I love the way you approach that because I think that gives people a more broad view of innovation. Because when we first even said the word, some of you listening to that, your mind might have gone initially to my student worship experience and how can I make it more creative or my uh, summer camp or whatever, like you went to programming mode. And I think what's so great about James, what you just said is that, no, this is innovation can exist in that space, but it also exists in the methods that help us accomplish our mission the processes that are in place, how we train volunteers, how we recruit, all of those things have the ability to be innovated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I think about my own journey of learning how to be good at innovation, most of the most innovative things I've done have actually started with my own journey as a disciple of Jesus and figuring Mm -hmm. out, is the way that I'm following Jesus actually bringing me closer to a life defined by the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And if it is, fantastic. Keep keep pouring fuel onto that fire. But what I've noticed over the course of now being, I guess, seven years in ministry total is that there are a lot of things that I had been doing for years that I didn't even realize were getting in the way of me becoming the person that God created me to be. And so there's been stuff on a super personal level. Then there's been stuff on a larger scale when it comes to the experience and programming of our large group gathering on Wednesday nights. And then there's been everything in between with how I invite leaders to serve, how I develop leaders, how I intentionally spend time with students, how I involve parents in the scope of all things, life church and the ministry that we're a part of. And so, yes, I think innovation applies to the tiniest things and also the biggest things. So you mentioned a personal process that you were going on to get better at innovation. Uh, I'd love to hear part of that because there are no doubt people listening to the podcast that are like, okay, I'm buying in a little bit to what you guys are saying, but where do I start? How do I begin this journey of my own to be better at innovation? Yeah. Well, I think what you mentioned earlier too about something like Dungeons and Dragons being a space 
that I have to develop these muscles of creativity and innovation. And so for me, I am a Myers-Briggs ESTJ. I'm an Enneagram type one, which don't worry, I know Enneagram rhymes with pentagram. So it's obviously of the devil, but <laughs> moving past that. As We've got a, that and Dungeons and Dragons. Come on, we're man. doubling up to that. <laughs> um, but here's the deal. I say those things to just give you the context that the way that I'm naturally wired, most of my preferences are not towards creativity and innovation. It's figuring out a way of doing things and just doing that consistently over time. And so mm -hmm. learning how to think differently is something that I've had to learn. And so one of the most helpful tools in that journey for me has been podcasts like this one right here, where I'm exposed to people who think and operate differently than I do. And I remember, golly, it would have been four years ago now, I was listening to a podcast, can't remember which one, don't remember who was talking, but they were talking about this idea that if you are in ministry and you are not taking time to reflect on what you need to repent from daily, then you're probably missing the mark. And I heard mm -hmm. that and thought, wow, I think the last time I repented was when I gave my life to Jesus because that's the only way that I could conceptualize repentance. Mm -hmm. And it's not because it's not something we talk about as a church. We absolutely do. It's just something that for me felt like, yeah, I repented of the big sins, right? Like I'm not looking at porn anymore. I'm not being a jerk to people at work anymore. Like I'm, I'm a genuine, like generally nice guy. Some of those obvious sins are no longer a part of my life. So I'm sort of good there. But then mm -hmm. as I started to reflect on that question. What do I need to repent from today? I became more and more aware of some of the smaller things that needed to change in my own life. And so I'm, I'm giving that as a really specific example for me that has been a question I've repeatedly asked every day for the last four years. And I just write down in my journal at the end of the night, what do I need to repent from? And then in one line, I write it down and then I pray and ask God to help me repent from that thing. And that's a super specific example that I heard somebody say on a podcast four years ago that is completely change the trajectory of my journey of following Jesus that has implications yeah. on every aspect of my life. And so I say that to say the journey of innovation often starts with exposing ourselves to different ways of thinking than what we're already used to. Because if we already knew what it is that we needed to do differently, most of us would have done it. Yeah, that's good. So something that makes you say like, hey, I can spot these things now. Like these things are, right. are becoming visible to me. So yeah. that that's kind of leads us right into the next little piece of this is like, what are some signs that something needs to be innovated? Um, earlier, you mentioned when something doesn't, a method doesn't help you accomplish your mission. It's a pretty good sign that something needs to be innovated. Uh, so Absolutely. What Talk more about that. Talk about how you go about spotting those things. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that was really interesting is during my last months of being a youth pastor at one of our life church locations, I became really burdened by the number of students who had graduated from my ministry and were no longer engaged in the church and were no longer following Jesus. And yeah. for many of us, we're very aware of the fact that the era we are living in is an era with this rising tide of deconstruction and sadly deconversion. And I just felt myself repeatedly um, just eaten up by the fact that there were so many of these young people who had been a part of my ministry, who I had been friends with, who had walked away from the church because the way that they viewed the gospel 
wasn't at all good news. And so I just mm-hmm. started asking the question, what can I do to help these young people see the gospel as good news again, the good news that it has always been? And that's actually a part of what led me transitioning out of being a youth pastor at one of our locations to stepping into the content role that I'm in now, because I realized that this isn't just a problem I'm experiencing at my student ministry. It's something that a lot of people are dealing with. And so we began this journey of looking at the statistics across the global church when it comes to young people disengaging from the church. And we began investigating the personal stories of some of these students who had walked away from our church and started asking some really basic questions like, why aren't they here anymore? What -hmm. were some of the things that drove them away? For the students that are still engaged with their faith, that are still on fire for Jesus, what was different about their journey? And again, these are things that we began asking internally at Life Church, and we began looking to other experts in the world of next-gen ministry to figure out who else is asking these questions and coming up with innovative and great solutions, and how can we take their learnings and apply them to our context in a way that's going to help us move forward and actually do what we're here, what we say we're here to do, which is to lead students to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Because I realized that when I was a youth pastor, I was really good at building a crowd and throwing a great experience for two hours every single Wednesday night. But what I wasn't doing was actually leading those students to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And so literally the way that we've thought about our programming on Wednesday nights to our content, to the way that we even develop and disciple our youth pastors and volunteer leaders has shifted dramatically because of the growing realization that while we were really good at throwing experiences every week, we weren't actually helping our students experience the presence of God in a way that was going to cut all the way to the deepest parts of who they are. Man, there, there's a lot in there. That that realization uh, is a difficult one to walk through. <laughs> right. And there's, man, there's no doubt that there are people listening to this podcast right now that are wrestling with a similar thing. Yeah. That are wrestling with, Man, if two thirds of our students are leaving the church after they graduate high school, like what does that, what does that mean? We need to change. What does that mean? We need to do here. Uh, so I, one, I, man, I, I applaud you for that journey and the work that that the Lord is, is has done to just kind of say, hey, like it's almost like the blinders come off a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, like we do a really good job at this. But where is that actually taking, taking people? Right. Uh, that is a, that's a thing that I think we all in student ministry need to, need to ask on a pretty frequent basis Yeah, yeah. to continue pushing on that because we aren't, we aren't called to just for a time, help people see church things or get to know <laughs> God for a period of time, but to build right. lifelong, lifelong disciples. Yeah. So what are some things, I, this is not really innovation based, um, but just out of curiosity, what are, you mentioned everything's changed. What are some of the significant changes that, that you think, okay, I, I was a student pastor at one of our locations. I started noticing these things. We're really good at creating this experience. We need to improve on building disciples. Like what are some things when you jumped into this role that helps you have more of a global view of it? What are some things that you changed? Yeah. So it's really interesting because like you said, it's a lot. And so 
for me, within the role that I sit as the uh, content director for our student ministry, my focus started with specifically the content that we're producing. So our messages, Bible plans, resources that we create to support our leaders. And one of the first shifts that we made was to redirect our content towards those older high school students that had been a part of our church for a while. Because what Mm -hmm. we found was, you know, we're going to have some of these students that show up every week because they're going to show up. But for those high schoolers that are looking to grow in their faith, if we are not challenging them spiritually every week with the content we're creating, they're going to check out. And for us, one of the things that is um, a challenge in our context is we do middle school and high school all together for our large group gathering. So from seven o'clock until eight o'clock, middle schoolers and high schoolers are together. So that's sixth graders through 12th graders, 11 year olds up to 18 year olds. And for a long time, we sort of shot for the middle of that demographic Mm. with our content to hit that eighth, ninth grade age range. And what we found was, hey, that worked really well to engage our middle schoolers and our eighth and ninth graders. But once our students got to 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, they thought to themselves, you know what, this just isn't for me. And so they stopped showing up. And so we began to ask the question, how do we better engage those students that are the ones that actually have the ability to vote with their feet on whether or not they want to be here on Wednesday night. And so we redirected all of our content towards them and asked the question, how do we still um, challenge them without losing our middle schoolers? And, you know, this Mm -hmm. journey actually started with us not getting this right. We went way too extreme to where our message content was over the heads of even those high schoolers, middle schoolers were having a hard time. Small group leaders were like, dude, this is like way too deep, academic, whatever the (laughs) word was. And so we've continued to try to refine it and figure out how do we challenge those high schoolers without losing our middle schoolers. And so that's a process that we've been engaging in for the last two years or so. And I think we're in a much better place than we ever have been just based off the fact that we have more juniors and seniors showing up now than we did even two years ago pre-pandemic. Now, overall, the numbers of our student ministry have not bounced back to where they were pre-pandemic, but the ratio of high schoolers to middle schoolers is better than it's ever been. And so we're making progress, but we still got a long ways to go. That's that's part one. Then from there, I started to be confronted by the reality that if our mission as a church is to lead students to become fully devoted followers of Christ, that's our way of saying, make disciples, then whose job is it really to disciple these students. And I I would love to think that the 15-minute messages that I record are doing that well, (laughs) but I'm realistic enough to know that 15 minutes of message a week is nowhere near enough to actually disciple our students, especially in the world we live in today. And so, all right, if it's not me and the content I create, then it's got to be like the youth pastor, right? But in reality, that youth pastor is overseeing a student ministry with you know anywhere from 100 to 300 or so students. And so there's only so much that they can do. And that's why we have small group leaders that are leading groups of 8 to 12 students so that they can disciple them. But here's the yeah. problem. How many of our small group leaders have actually been discipled? And if they're the ones we're entrusting with discipling these students, then do they know what that even looks like? Okay. Um, Realistically speaking, no, most of them have no idea. <laughs> right? right when I started right. I, when I started as a small group leader at Life Church, it was uh, two weeks after I got saved and gave my life to Jesus. And so my <laughs> concept of what it means to lead others into a relationship with Jesus didn't exist. And so yeah. you know it's it's been this process I've had to learn as I go. But what I've realized is that, man, there's a lot of people who don't even know where to start. And if we need our 
small group leaders to be in this journey of becoming fully devoted followers of Christ so that they can lead their students, then who's the one that's doing that for them? Well, it should be our youth pastors. Yeah. But how many of our youth pastors have actually been discipled? And so this kind of led us all the way back to the top of, great, we've got to get really good at discipling our youth pastors so they can effectively disciple their volunteer leaders who then can disciple those students so that those students can do what we all want them to do, which is disciple their friends. And so I, yeah. I say that to say, we went all the way back to creating an old school six-month discipleship program for our entire student ministry. It's simply called Fully Devoted. It's in the Uversion Bible app because we find that method is super easy for people to pick up, do alongside with other people. And we asked all of our youth pastors to take their top high school students through it as a sneaky way of trying to get our youth pastors discipled in this process of them discipling their students. And so that's like one small thing that we've added to this repertoire of what can we do to continue to invest in them so they can invest in their volunteer leaders so that they can invest in their students. Um, and so I say all that to say, it has been this ongoing journey where we're constantly thinking through what is one small tweak we can make? What is one big program we can implement? What is any type of innovation we can put in place to help make sure that the methods that we're employing are actually moving the mission forward? Yeah, that's awesome to hear you describe that journey. Uh, and is a great example of an innovation. Again, like I, I would... For, I don't want to just repeat a lot of things, but innovation doesn't have to be getting into this ultra creative mind space. Cause we have a lot of conversations with, with student pastors that struggle in this area and are just, well, I'm not naturally creative. I'm not. And what I hope you hear from James, who is a clearly a creative dude, but also, and you don't, you don't have to be some creative genius to innovate. It starts, I mean, you heard James walk through it. It starts with asking questions, defining things. Where are they at? Backing up a step further. Okay, if this is how this is defined, how did it become that way? Let's take another step back. And ultimately ended with you guys reconstructing a lot of your student ministry that is more effective towards the mission. So, right. man, I really appreciate you walking through that process that you guys went on. I, th I think that's a really valuable thing for people to hear. So as you continue to sharpen yourself in innovation, as you continue to look for those things, spot those things that need to be innovated upon, where do you go for inspiration? Like, how do you, we talked a little bit about it already, but what are some consistent things that you do to kind of continue flexing that muscle? Yeah, I think for me, I'm constantly looking for opportunities to just learn from other people in the same field as me and also other fields. So one of the things that's been so valuable is all sorts of podcasts like this one and also podcasts that are nothing like this, right? This is very specifically targeted towards student ministry. And so being yeah. able to learn from those people who are making a difference in student ministry is so valuable. And I also really enjoy being able to learn from people in all sorts of different fields and walks of life and asking the question, how does what they do well apply to my context? And then the other thing I'd say is I'm almost always just ready to write down whatever weird thing sticks out to me. So I mentioned earlier, 
that my favorite video game series is Dark Souls. And over the past couple of weeks while I was out homesick, I watched a video of somebody talking about Dark Souls. And in the first few minutes of this video, they began talking about this marketing executive for Pepsi who helped um, create the formula for Diet Pepsi. And in this process of creating this formula, he had this idea that there was going to be one specific formula that was the best formula for Diet Pepsi. But what he found was so many people had such different preferences in the sweetness of Diet Pepsi that there wasn't a single perfect formula. And this led to him having this mantra from that point on that there's no such thing as the perfect Diet Pepsi. There are only perfect Diet Pepsis because every single person has a different preference on what it is that they're looking for. And then as I'm hearing this, I'm just thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this is so much of the challenge that we've been experiencing when it comes to our own student ministry is trying to figure out what is the perfect communication style for 6th yeah. through 12th graders. And what we found is, you know what? There's not a perfect style. There's just different styles that people respond to. And so I'm kind of more like the teacher in the way that I communicate. Some of our different youth pastors that we have teach messages are much more dynamic and engaging and loud preachers. And then we've got other youth pastors that are just so good at bringing you into this emotional moment with the story that they're telling. And so we've sort of adopted this strategy of, you know what, let's just create a diverse group of communicators and allow them mm. to just bring their voice to the equation. Now, one of the challenges that we've run into though is that not everybody loves the way each of those different communicators teaches because all of us have this different preference and we've been trying to figure yeah. out how do we make sure that we're not putting our own preferences ahead of the needs of our students because I'll have a conversation with a student and they'll talk about a message that they heard that honestly for me did not connect. I was like, yeah, that's that that fine. Wasn't bad, but it wasn't amazing. But for yeah. that student, that communicator was able to speak to them in a way that was exactly what they needed. And so I say that as an example of, in addition to podcasts like this, in addition to constantly reading books, I'm just open to the idea that sometimes I'm watching a YouTube video about my favorite video game series and the dude talking about this video game series is going to bring in some illustration that's exactly what I needed to hear to navigate this problem that we're dealing with in our student ministry. And what I've seen happen a lot of times for a lot of people is it's those moments where they weren't even thinking about the problem that inspiration hits. And so for me, like we've already talked about, I always try to start with what is the big question that I'm trying to find an answer to? What is the big problem that we're trying to solve? And I'll just let that question sit in the back of my mind for days, weeks, sometimes months at a time. And over the course of that time, there will be different things that show up at just the right time. You might even call it God showing up, where all of a sudden that thing that I was looking for just pops in in the most unexpected way. And I just make sure I'm going to write that down and save that for later. Yeah, that's good, man. Well, I appreciate you giving time again today to to all of these things. Um, there's there's one more question. Some people might be wondering out there. So you mentioned you've been playing, uh, you've been running the D and D group for three years. Yep. Is this everyone on the same? Is this the, a three year long? Everybody playing the same character, or have is there been restarts along the way? This is, you're, this is actually the most important question, so I'm glad you asked. So this is the same group of people. We've had, we've had two people phase out, um, but other than that, it's the same group of people for three years, and we're in our second campaign right now because 
the first campaign, right in the last moment, the party failed and they all ended up getting wiped. So we started over, same group of people, new campaign, and they're doing better now. They've learned a lot since their first time. That's good. I like it. Well, thank you for giving time to this. I know it has helped uh, a lot of student pastors kind of, I think, take maybe a different angle of innovation that's going to allow them to to raise the effectiveness of their ministry. Good challenge is always good for us to hear. So thanks for thanks for pouring in today, James. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this short message. Hey, I want to take a quick second just to remind you about summer camp. I know, I know many of you don't need to be reminded. You are already deep into planning summer and it's going to be one of the best ever. I really believe that. God's up to something special and many times uses an environment like summer camp to see that very special thing. And so uh, just think for a second, how many of you came to know the Lord or were called to ministry or had some significant spiritual moment at summer camp? Well, it is a tremendous honor to serve many of you through the summer camp ministries that we offer from Lifeway students. Fuge Camp at Fuge.com and Student Life at Student Life Camp. You can go to both of those places and see all of the uh, locations that we have, the venues, the speakers, the worship bands. We would love to be able to serve you with summer camp. We can take all of the planning. We can take all of the logistics off your plate. And all you have to do is show up. You and your leaders have a great week with your students. So we would love to serve you. You can check it out at fuge.com and studentlife.com for your camp needs. We hope to see you this summer. All right, producer Nathan, I'd love to hear what you were thinking. That was a really good conversation. I, For me personally, though, it, it resonated really well because I think, as you know, Ben, like I, I love innovation and sometimes I'll innovate when I don't even need to, um, So, <laughs> which can be a problem. So I think part of that is James mentioned he was at Enneagram One. That's me too. And I think part of that is just uh, I'm always asking the question, can this improve? Can we be more efficient? Besides all that, I thought it was really important what he said that I think sometimes when people look at innovation, they really do think like, oh, my gosh, I've got to like destroy this whole entire thing and rebuild it. And I don't know anything about that, but I think we've got to be careful that innovation doesn't necessarily mean destroying it. You know, what it really means is looking at something, evaluating the processes, asking some questions, and then taking the steps that you can to move it forward to a better place. So I I think people are confusing the word deconstruction and, and destroying something. They're like, oh, I need to deconstruct this aspect. When really all they're doing is just destroying it and blowing it apart with no intention of rebuilding it back. Right. That's not deconstruction that's not innovation that is just simply destruction right then you have to have a whole new sense of construction to rebuild it back so for example like typically speaking like i'm helping my parents remodel their house up here and we're doing the bathroom so we've ripped it all out like i didn't just blow out the back wall and just get rid of the bathroom like that would be ridiculous (laughs) like we took it apart systematically and then we're going to put it back together very systematically so that we have a better product than what we started with, right? And so I think for innovation, sometimes it is, it's not like, okay, well, this one thing isn't working. Let's get, let's destroy the box. Let's rebuild everything. It's more of no, let's, I like what he said about the box is your friends. And sometimes the solution when we get rid of the box may be impossible, which is what he was saying there, which I thought was a great quote. And so it's, it's, let's look at the 
the constraints that we have, how can we work inside of this and how can we innovate? How can we make something better? So really innovation, I think, is just the process of making something better. It's a process of asking questions. It's the process of wanting to get better. It's like you clearly heard through all of his statements that his heart is for the students to know the gospel, to be transformed, to disciple yeah. other students, to grow, go out of their ministry and continue to do that in their life. And so he's asking the important questions of how can we just help them do that better? And that in and of itself is innovation. Man, I agree with you. And I'm glad that, you know, this is the first time that we had met James before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of the guests we have on the podcast are close friends we've known for a long time. Other ones are recommendations. And this is one of those. And I'm so glad that we were recommended to talk to, with James and that the conversation went this way because there are other ways to look at innovation. And, I, you know, mm -hmm. we talked about it in the podcast, so I don't want to like keep beating the proverbial <laughs> dead horse here, but I think that's where we get stuck mm -hmm. is we think that it has to be like some, a whole brand new, something that someone has never even thought of mm -hmm. when a lot of the innovation examples that he mentioned we're sitting down and saying, okay, what can we do to make this method help us meet our mission? What can we do to get it closer to helping us accomplish our mission? And then back up step by step by step by step. Uh, we could have spent a lot of time with you guys talking about Enneagram One and and uh, <laughs> and but the, the commonality that, that you share with James That's in right. that. Uh, definitely, I have you. You do a lot of a lot of the things that he talked about are things that you do on our team, um, all the time. And so it was cool to see him, to hear him talk about that too. But I think the, the biggest thing I'm walking away with, uh, is, is that concept of retooling, innovating within prod projects, procedures, programs, strategies, those things to help us get closer to the mission. Mm -hmm. It's not just innovating for innovation's sake. It's not just yep. going out here and saying, well, let's change this whole process just because I'm tired of it. Mm -hmm. You heard him say, if it's helping us meet our mission, great. We keep it. We let it run. So I think for me, that's the main point that I'm walking away with is innovate around the things that help us better accomplish our mission. This has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We'll see you next time.